0: storytelling inspires engages and moves people to action it's a superpower that anyone can learn welcome to story powered with your host leanne pico stories can hold you back and stories can move you forward let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level now here is leanne pico
1: Hello and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Liam Pico, your host. I'm so glad you could join us here today. It's going to be a great show. I'm really excited about our topic today. We're going to start digging into um, storytelling and consciousness. And it's a, it's a topic I've been wanting to talk about for a little while uh, because we often spend a lot of time in the shallow end. Um, sometimes in talking about story, and, and uh, there's a deeper stuff here going on for people in terms of um, their personal stories, but also in terms of um, using story in business and, and in organizations and having an awareness. So looking forward to this, this conversation. Um, uh, before we do that, I wanted to thank my guest from last week. It was Kate Hanley, Ms. Mind Body, and she's the author of the Anywhere, Anytime Chill Guide and an upcoming book, A Year of Calm. So Kate and I talked about our busy story and how it can obstruct us from getting things done or following our dreams. Um, we had a pretty good straight talking about the busy story and, and how it serves us well sometimes to to get caught in that, um, but only on a short-term basis. So she gave us some tips on how to look after ourselves a bit better, um, but also how to move from being busy to being productive. So that was a very useful show. I highly recommend you have a listen. It's on the Story Powered On Demand Library, but of course I don't want you to do that just yet. Um, We're going to be talking in just a second with um, Dr. Manny St. Victor, um, but we'll be talking to him in just a sec. I wanted to tell you a little something about what's happening in the Story Powered Institute this week. So if you've listened to my last couple of shows, you know I've launched an online story community. It's all about story powered, which is about um, stories are can be used everywhere in your organization very effectively. Um, it's also the interconnection between our personal stories and our business stories. And uh, in the Story Powered Institute this week, we have a story coaching clinic coming up on Thursday, October 22nd. It's at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific. It's called Mining Your Life for Stories. You might remember a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, we had uh, Jean Storley on. Jean, and she's uh, her business is called Storley Telling. She's an amazing woman who took us through a bit of a, an exercise um, on mining our lives for stories and so I asked her to be the first story coaching clinic uh, facilitator to do that very exercise so we can spend some time on it Uh, get you started on your stories, get you, help you to um, create a process for finding and cataloging your stories, but also how do you link them to your business situation? So Jean's going to be here and she's going to be there in the salon at the Story Powered Institute. Um, You can go find out about that at storypowered.institute backslash salon. Okay. Hope we see you there. I'll tell you a little bit more later. Um, So today, I have the privilege of chatting with Dr. Manny St. Victor. Dr. Manny is a Harvard-trained neuroscientist who's passionate about the intersection of story, cognition, and empowerment. He helps clients to discover the most effective ways to think through narrative. Dr. Manny, welcome to Story Powered.
2: Thanks for having me on, Leanne. It's a pleasure to be on.
1: So nice to have you here. So tell us, you—I can tell—you have an interesting story. What's your story? How, how, what, what have you been up to in your life, and how did you get to where you are now?
2: Oh wow, <laughs> I've been through a little bit of everything. We have several hours. That, um, <laughs> the most, uh, the part of my story that tends to resonate the most with my clients and uh, overall is that I spent the uh, whole first part of my life doing. Uh, living the story that was, quote, right. Yeah, so I said, well, after high school, I went to Harvard. I was uh, pre-med at Harvard, went to medical school, uh, went and did my psychiatry residency. But um, the whole time that I was successful, according to a set of external measures, I was telling myself um, a combination of a, a victim story um, where I was resentful at the amount of time I was spending away from society overall, basically, you know, while in med school, while as a pre med, just felt like I was missing out, and even um, I felt like I was living a story where I was uh, working to get away from work.
1: <laughs>
2: if you know what I mean, and I just, do, yeah. it didn't feel like the people who were um, my role models weren't where I wanted to be at the end of my at the end of my journey. And so, um, after med school, well, after undergrad, after med school, and finally. Uh, after a couple of years of my psychiatry residency, each time I took a, a, a sabbatical and just went out there to try to figure out why it was, why I wasn't living in what felt like a, a passionate way. I felt like I was setting goals, uh, I was pursuing things, I was focusing, I was setting intentions. I was doing a lot of the different steps, but here I was uh, working as a, a psychiatry resident, advising people on how to be happy, and I felt like unauthentic (laughs) I felt like uh I was playing a role where I hadn't actually accomplished the level of um passion and a sense of completeness and integration in my life and here I was lecturing the people and writing them prescriptions to help them dull their pain so to speak
1: wow that's a that's a really great uh noticing
2: yeah so um I, set out in 2008, I took an extended sabbatical and, um, initially I went out and, uh, I had been programming, uh, video games since I was a child. So I had a few decades of software engineering under my belt. So I, uh, jumped out into the whole virtual world, uh, internet, um, internet craze, uh, working with, uh, everywhere, everything from casinos to video game companies to, uh, multi- multiplayer game companies, um, the whole time what attracted me the most was that across different media and even with the emergence of social media the way in which what was underlying in everything the fabric was that somehow or other people were inferring um a story from whatever they were doing if they were playing a video game when they walked away from it what they passed on to their friends was the narrative that they extracted from it if they were on facebook or on twitter what they were doing was panning for elements to make more sense of where they were at the time. And so I, dug, I, I did a lot of digging into what made successful people's stories different from people who were stuck in essentially someone else's story. And I became more passionate about exploring how I can live my story to the fullest and help other people find their passion, their core values, uh, their narrative uh, and archetypes so that they can, start living in flow instead of pushing against the grain as the constantly being, feeling persecuted or victimized.
1: Right. And and it's interesting that you mentioned the word success there, because um, you used it in a, in a really interesting way. A lot of people would have looked at you and, and um, viewed you as being the successful one.
2: It looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked like that. I admit it looked like that. And when I when I was um, having conversations with my wife and my family about um, just th- there was a hunger. It was something in me was calling to be doing things differently because I, I was caught in this this cycle of uh, success on paper and working harder, almost like a workaholic cycle. And then when we were on vacation. Uh, a weird consumption over um, overspending type of materialistic cycle to create these symbolic things to be aligned with how I thought I should feel. Everything from overpriced restaurants, overpriced hotels, overpriced cars, overpriced houses. And then after a while you're in there and you're like, you're like, this very much feels like chasing the dragon. Like I'm going further outwards. I'm doing more. I'm doing, I'm working harder I'm striving for a higher income and all the, all the while knowing that at the end of each accomplishment, I I could count on there being sort of this empty feeling of, well, here I am. I've climbed another few rungs on the ladder, but the ladder is leaning on someone else's house instead of my house.
1: (laughs) That's a great analogy. And it sounds like you weren't clear on the why. Of Of why and 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 not just you, I think a lot of us and a lot of people um get caught in that kind of um that cycle of uh chasing the the next big paycheck in order to get the big car and the big house and everything and and don't really ever kind of stop and go why why is this stuff important and and most importantly, why is it important to me and it sounds like you you at some point had that conversation with yourself
2: well oh, over and over, yeah. Uh, it was challenging for me to have that because uh, I was surrounded by, at one point, the culture of medicine where I, I had friends who were happy there because it was aligned with their values and I had friends who were unhappy but were, I guess in psych they call it introjected values where everyone else is so happy for you. <laughs> you right. You know, you're like,
1: yeah, I, I, I'm
2: grateful. I can feel it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's and I can imagine everybody around you were like, Hey, you're you you did Harvard, you're in grad school, you're a doctor, you're now you're a psychiatrist. I mean, my goodness, it's it just uh, that is quite a story to you know, that we can uh, and again, it's not an imposed story because it's actually in the fabric of our our kind of culture. In North America, in particular, that that's what you'd want to be looking for. So I can imagine it also must have like. And this is the thing of that um, I love about when we talk about our own stories is, is that that sounds like a lonely story. Um, in terms yes. of if well, you're lonely. not part of it, it sounds like somebody else's story and a lonely position that you're that you're part of it but not.
2: Exactly. I I just kept wondering why it didn't feel right. I felt a bit right. of an imposter syndrome where. Yes. I was constantly looking for what the next extrinsic measures of success were. And yeah, I had a bit of destination addiction where it was like, okay, well, when I work up to this level, I'll be partner at the clinic and I'll be able to have X number of weeks of vacation with my family. Right. I started wondering why am I looking forward to these vacations when the majority of my time will be spent working and just the whole idea of follow your passion I later on, I came to discover the whole concept of obsessive passion as opposed to harmonious passion.: <laughs> Oh, where,
1: tell us. Tell us the difference.
2: Well, uh, obsessive passion is passion, which um, is not even passion, the, the key word there is obsession. It's, it's where you're, you're carrying around the, the shoulds and the must, where you have extrinsic motivators pushing you, and you don't really feel like you're in control. of of even when you're, you're doing things, you don't feel like you're in control of what you're doing. You're just, you're working, you're working, you're working. And even when you're playing the work seeps into the play and you never have that, that recreation, that recreation should be, you can't, you Mm -hmm. never have guilt free play and your guilt is choking off your positive feelings where, because you're doing something that, something that a force outside of you, culture, family, and even sometimes loved ones like, um, children expect you to do and and you're looking for that external validation it's it's not really you never really go into flow so you're in a state of chronic inflammation to explain it like neurochemically now that's obsessive passion harmonious passion leads to a sense of well-being and flow it's where you're you're doing the thing that you love you're making meaning you're you're living your story every day the challenges that come up You don't see them as a threat to your identity. You don't feel like an imposter. You don't feel the risk of embarrassment because you have that growth mindset where you you realize that at at the end of the week, you will be a different person than you were today. And you look forward to each challenge as a way of exposing you to um, new opportunities to let your core and your um, your inner structures unfold. So it's a curiosity based intrinsically motivated approach where you're trusting your intuition, you're trusting yourself, you're taking the time for self-care, you're taking the time for recreation, you're taking time for family because you're not you're not uh, obsessively driven. You're 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 in a peaceful blissful fashion and the hurdles just become a way of you writing your story more clearly as opposed right. to Potential failure, potential threat to identity, uh, another cue for perfectionism, another cue to feel like the victim, another round of criticism that's going to make you feel that people don't appreciate what you're doing. It's a a shift in perspective and, and a move to a more abundance mindset than a scarcity mindset, which shifts your entire neurochemistry and changes your inflammation.
1: Wow. Okay, that is huge. Because as you were talking about that, I I mean, it's so easy to see you you describe that very well in terms of the differences. But when I think about the obsessive part versus um, the harmonious, uh, it just seems so fragile. Like anybody could take it away from you because it is externally based and it's not based on something that's that's kind of driving you uh, fundamentally. Whereas the harmonious passion sounds like coming from a stronger, um, more centered place.
2: Exactly, exactly. Uh, An obsessive passion a lot of times um, is in pursuit of what they call symbolic self-completion, where you're you're keeping up with the Joneses, and when the Joneses are doing better, suddenly you feel subjectively as if you're doing worse. Um, You've bought this huge house, and the price of the house is part of your identity, so you know when the real estate bubble burst, <laughs> oh yeah, suddenly inside felt as if they were worth uh, half as much money. Now your house is worth half as much, and you were anchored to the value of the house. That number meant something to you.
1: Whoa, that's huge, and you know it just. It also sounds like to put it in really simple terms that um, when you're living like that, you're living somebody else's story of you. Exactly. That's exactly. huge.
2: You're, you're you're playing an unwinnable game, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, how did you? Um, so, just um, we've got a couple of minutes to the break, but I really want to ask you how, because you know, psychiatry. I worked in mental health for a while. It's not a forgiving place for um, wanting to do things differently. <laughs> so I'm just wondering in terms of you know, and I'm that's a big generalization, but often you know we, we have uh, it's science, it's medicine, it's egos, it, there's lots of stuff going on in in, in that uh, in that area. How did you go from um, feeling a bit of a victim, feeling stuck in in what you were doing and in the story that you'd kind of created that you should be? to moving towards creating one that was more about you? Because that's a huge, brave decision that you had to make.
2: That, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you just yes. jump? What did you do? <laughs> uh, I, I took a deep breath and, and
2: I jumped. Um, wow. And the thing is, I, I've been programming uh, software since I was 10 years old because uh, I've always loved um, artificial intelligence, software, virtual world. And, to me, um, I've always, I've always believed in the, the emerging singularity. So uh, I always kept uh, track of the trends in programming and the trends on the internet, etc. And so I was able to, uh, take a job that was paying a salary that, well, it was with a startup that eventually went belly up. So, so I jumped to what felt like safety until six months later, right. um, so I had some temporary courage there where I was like, okay, I'll be able to make a, um, a good salary. I'll jump over there and find my footing and make the move from there.
1: Right. And it didn't work? That company went belly up.
2: Yeah, they were paying us insane salaries and allowing us to oh, work right. uh, overtime. And right. that feels good until a couple of things yeah. kicked in, to be perfectly honest. I got yeah, there and then I realized that it was another situation of, um, I was, it wasn't aligned with my core values. It was less painful for me than being, uh, within the medicine factory. But at the end of the day, we were still programmers and I wasn't, I, I, my heart is entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> That's my heart. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I like to do things correctly. I like to adapt to the environment. And I like to feel as if if I work smarter and if I adapt, that the feedback from the environment will come to me so that I can shift without having to go through paperwork, red tape, and bureaucracy. Nice. And So working in a cubicle, just over the years, I tried it over and over again in different ways.
1: Yeah. And I
2: realized that at the core of my calling was entrepreneurship.
1: Right and so and that's the thing about and um when we come back from the break we're going to talk a little bit about this is that um you know this this piece about finding your story and knowing what your your internal narrative is and what you want it to be is is a journey it's not just finding it oh I'm this and that's it it's it's actually an ongoing journey and so thank you for sharing your story with us because it actually shows very well the kind of um, you know what happens when we, when we want to change our story and, um, and the learning that comes with it. So when we come back from the break, we're going to be digging into consciousness. And so um, Dr. Manny has, has really outlined very well in terms of the difference between um, obsessive passion and harmonious passion. And, and um, we're going to dig in a little bit more about that and why it's important if you're going to tell stories um, internally internally to yourself, as well as externally, to try and connect with others, why it's important that you're awake to your own self and to what's going on around you. So we're going to be back in just a second. I look forward to continuing this conversation. See you soon.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered.
1: Hey there, welcome back. This is Story Powered, and I'm your host, Liam Pico. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Manny St. Victor, and we are having a great conversation about um, storytelling and consciousness. Before the break, um, Dr. Manny was sharing his own personal story and journey to uh, finding a more authentic story for himself. And uh, we're going to now talk a little bit about um, what it means to be conscious and um, how it relates to story. So, Dr. Manny, when we talk about consciousness, what are we what are we talking about?
2: Uh, To keep it really simple, (laughs) to be conscious is to be here now. Uh, We often get caught up in um, either in the past or in the future, either worry or anticipation. And in either of those cases, we're not getting the right information, the right feedback from the universe, so to speak. We're We're not connected to what's happening now. And anytime you're not in the present, you're not emanating presence. You're not, you're not, people aren't feeling your signal. In addition to that, you're not, you're not making the most of the moment. You're not writing your own story. You're, you're living either a victim story or a hero, a disconnected hero story or a persecutor story where you're blaming other people for things that are happening to you until you, know, the only thing that we have that's not imaginary is now. And as such, you, you, you want to use your story to figure out um, where you are relative to where you want to be. You want to use your past in, as a way of learning what you've done and what the outcome has been in the past. That's how you got to the present. And then you want to be present. You want to be in the here and now. You want to absorb the context. You want to absorb what's relevant. And you want to choose actions that lead you in the right direction. Right. Oh,
1: that's... Okay, that is, you've just blown my mind, because it's one of the things that I talk about um, with my clients, and and we talk about on this show sometimes, but you've said it in a way that really resonated, which is um, the word imaginary, and I think that that, uh, it's so funny, because when we talk about storytelling, people think that it's about um, going back into their past and finding their truth, or finding their, uh, finding facts and true stories, when in fact, like you said, when we go back, and we'll just stick with the past for the moment, we can talk about future in a second. When we look at our past, it's all perception. So even if we, if we gathered everybody in a room that was part of our past, everybody would have a different version of events to what we have. Isn't that right?
2: Exactly. And realizing that you can reach into the past and rewrite the past so that it serves you best and store it that way for future access is one of the most empowering aspects of um, your journey forward.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Okay, tell us. Can you say that again and tell us a little bit how we can do that?
2: Okay, once you know what it is you're trying to accomplish, um, what what your values are, what your goal is, what your goals are, your 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 high priority goals, and your purpose, you're able to reach back in the past and mine the past for experiences. Um, Information, tips, techniques, network, connection, ways to focus your energy, and just everything—all the resources you need to move forward. That's what the past is for.
1: Right. You don't have to go back and make it better or change it in any way, because it ain't going to happen. Because it's—it's made up. It's not—it's not, it's not true. There's no truth there. Um, but but yeah, go on.
2: And so what happens is when you shift your lens to a lens of understanding that everything that happened to you thus far was so that moving forward, you're better able to serve. Then, then from there you, you can shift to a, a position of gratitude and you're able to let everything in. Even the things that you're ashamed of realize that something that you're ashamed of is a whole group of people suffering in shame somewhere, something you feel guilty about There are a lot of people doing it still who feel a certain sense of guilt, and the basically the transition from curse to gift is when you're able to, at that point, reach out to people who are suffering the shame and say to them, you know, I was there too, I was ashamed, and these are the steps that I took. Hopefully they can help you. And yeah. that becomes your way of adding value to, the, to helping the rest of culture move forward in consciousness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, in relation to story, so as we we think about storytelling, um, and so again, um, when I work with clients, sometimes they they find it hard to look back because they they can only see the big stuff that happened, and and in storytelling, what we're trying to do is connect with people. We're trying to um, use narrative to um, increase engagement. It's it's not a necessarily about um, uh, recreating that victim story. And I and I think that um, you raised such a good point about you can go back to your past. You can tie it up with a bow and kind of say, thanks very much. That's awesome. Moving on. Um, and at the same time, you can also go back and look at things that happened that relate to the people that, or the feelings that you're you're wanting to connect with, with your audience. And you, you still utilize those. So you can do both. You can actually... Um, have some kind of reconciliation with things that happened with you, for you, by you, but you can also um, utilize it in a way that is, I think it's less, um, uh, less, less scary. Yep.
2: You can, you can absolutely, you, you, it's your past. You can do whatever you want with it. I love it.
1: That's it. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Sorry to interrupt you. I just got very excited there. Uh, because pe- I think people think a lot of times that the past happened to them. They happen so They can't change if, it.
2: If you are here and you survived this far, congratulations, let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's fabulous. Okay. So when we, when we do that, so then, and you know, and let's move to future story too, because it's, it's similar and kind of uh, before the break, you were telling us your story and you are living in your future story too. When I, do this, then life will be good. When that happens, I will feel better. All of that stuff, and and so what's the what's the danger of of um, living in our future story?
2: Well, that's where the difference between uh, expectations and intentions come into play. When you uh, set intentions, you delegate the outcomes to the universe. You know what your goal is, but you don't get so caught up in it having to happen one specific way, so that you block. Opportunities to come up. You set multiple intentions to get you to your end goal, or really, if you grow along the way, the, the manifestation of your goal that best fits your, your values that you didn't even know existed. Now, if instead of intentions, you're setting expectations, you, you, you overweave the narrative to your sense of identity. When things don't happen how you thought they would, you get angry, you get insulted, you get frustrated, you get disappointed, And you you let it chip away at your sense of self where you're at after each challenge. Well, first of all, you're reluctant to approach the challenges because any feedback becomes a perception of failure instead of a piece of information to move you forward. And and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so you create, you're you're apprehensive, um, your optimism broadens your perspective and helps you notice patterns more. That's what it does neuroscientifically. So by by being optimistic and um, I hate to use the cliche that's on fire everywhere now it's uh, when you lean in you're, you're able right. to yeah. you're, you're able to do the next thing learn from it and do it a lot of times you get all that practice time and you get that rapid feedback you respond to things be, while you still have options before they become cataclysmic <laughs> you know you yeah. put out yeah. small fires instead of needing the whole five alarm blaze. And so right. it's a way of being more, and to use the word, to be more conscious, to be more present, to be more aware of what story it is that you're in, what role you're playing within that story, and whether it leads to the outcome that you want. And if not, what to do to shift the character that you are to be the character that you want to be. All that involves being present here and now, instead of um, either being stuck in the future, which is disempowering, where you're waiting for the universe to make things happen as, quote, expected <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. through, through your empowerment, or, or or you're you're stuck in worry instead of doing what Neil Ford calls, calls the work of worrying in the now habit. He says, okay, you're worried about this happening. Uh, what are the steps that you can do between here and now to make it not happen? <laughs> That's yeah. what worrying is for. Worrying is for not plummeting towards it, you know, white-knuckle fear, It's for making changes to prevent it. That's what your brain does.
1: Right, right. Now, in terms of, so, oh, that's that's really cool because you're you're right. It's, you know, uh, again, even worrying is expectation and anticipation. It's not intention. It's not, and it's not real either um, necessarily. Now, in terms of, like, if we're using story as a way to connect with others, either as an entrepreneur or in our businesses, I'm just thinking about like if you're not conscious if you're not in the now if you're not in your if you're either stuck in your past victim story or you're you're like you say plummeting forward in your expectation of life being better for you um, but having that very fragile piece there I mean it's really hard to utilize story um, to connect with others when you're not sure of your own right
2: yes precisely. Because the, the, only, the only way you signal to and attract others, people are attracted to your, your core values. If you're not clear on your values and you don't have your priority, um, like in, in order, you're putting out a signal which vacillates, which isn't consistent enough. And, and you know, the, the way you build rapport with someone is through shared history, through shared goals, or through shared worldview. So all three of those require that you're signaling with clarity something that you've done the uh, the world introspection, to use Joseph Campbell's hero's journey model, you've done the world introspection, you've gone inside, you've found the archetypes that resonate the most with you, you, you you've found uh, within you the things that you need from other people without projecting your shadow onto them when they show up to help you so they can mm-hmm. become an ally. And, and then you guys are able to move forward where each person... Is able to play their role without the negativity. You become more, uh, more connected to each other, more supportive, and less likely to bring each other down as a as a as a mechanism of self enhancement.
1: Right. Now, and I, I love that, the way you just put that, because that, that, you know, I don't know about you, but I've met people who, you know, I've, I've connected with them, and, and it might have been at a challenging time in my life, and, and they were having a challenging time, and, and the only way to go is down, because you're kind of, <laughs> you're stuck in the same story. Um, yeah. So I love the, that idea. And I also, I really appreciate your, um, the language around the signal, because the other thing that happens when we tell stories is we create that emotional connection. And for me, if you're living in your victim story, your past victim story, or you're living in your um, future story that has to happen or you're just going to die, like fear is the emotion that underpins both of those. So it doesn't matter what story you tell. People will get that signal of fear and they won't trust you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's important to really no like to do that deep dive and and again if it doesn't it's not about therapy necessarily right we're talking about self reflection and paying okay, attention to right openness. now openness okay yeah. say more about okay. that
2: well at the end of the day if if you're not curious about who you are and you don't have a certain level of self trust then then you're, you're, you're kind of constrained. You're only working at a fraction of your power because most of the time what really should happen is that when the environment calls for a certain action, if you set the intention ahead of time, your brain on autopilot, based on who the real you is and the outcome that you stated you want, the intention that you have, the, the honest intention that you share with the group, you, you just on autopilot will do your next step. If you surrounded yourself with people who are on a shared journey with you and authentically you guys want the same outcome, then if you start to fumble, it's not a matter of shame. It's not a matter of going to the, to the, to the caves to sulk. It's a matter of leaning on the person who knows where you want to go. And, you know, even if both of you are wounded, then you have sort of the wounded warrior model. Where, you know, if I have one good leg and you have a good leg, let's, let's kind of, <laughs> you know, let's lean on each other instead of sweeping each other's legs out from under each other. Yeah. So you're, you're allowed to continue to fight to the best of your ability if you, if you like the, the war model, you know, if you like the combat model. And each challenge that comes up, you focus all your energy into the battle instead of into the self-criticism. And then later on, you're able to use regret. As a, as a gentle, self-loving mechanism when you look back on your past to do like we discussed earlier. Let's see. Uh, what have I been through? Um, what happened there? What did I want to happen? How are the two different? How should I change my approach next time? The purpose of regret is to prepare your subconscious mind by updating the stories that you keep inside to be most powerful to predict the way to your desired outcome next battle. It's not to beat yourself up after you've made mistakes, it's to learn from those mistakes by going inwards, being in touch with your emotions, and taking the time to, to do the introspection. How do I feel? Why do I feel that way? Which aspects of what I did led to this outcome? And one thing that's worth noting here is there's a, the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is when you have an outcome, you take responsibility for that outcome, but you realize that there were specific actions that you did that led to the negative outcome. So you separate the action from your sense of self. Now, shame is when you have the same outcome and later on when you're, you're doing sort of your post-mortem, your after-battle review, you kick yourself around because instead of saying, I made a mistake, you say, I'm a bad person, I suck, I'm ashamed of myself, and there's not room for that unfolding because your entire immune system is in a state of self-attack where next battle you're instead of focusing on unfolding the next version of you, you're you're contracting instead of expanding and trying not to do you because you you've criticized yourself, you you've, you've kicked yourself for what you perceive to be a part of you, but what really is a part that hasn't had a chance to unfold under nurturing yet.
1: Wow. that's huge, huge huge. and for a lot of people in business and in leadership, that's massive because we're carrying around those stories of shame, that that feel like shame and so then we do struggle to connect with others around um you know and be vulnerable in our storytelling or um, enable others to learn from our mistakes i mean that's why you have whole corporations wandering around um and nobody ever mentioning the word failure uh because it's it's immense shame so thank you uh, dr manny that's a really great um description of where we go to, and I also think it's it's really important for people to pay attention to in terms of thinking about how they're going to frame their stories internally so that they can have a healthier and more positive future existence and, and use story to, to connect with others, so that's amazing. Hey, listen, so we're just going to go to a break, but I want you to have an opportunity. Tell us about your coaching um, series that you offer, your program.
2: Well, I offer a three-month program um, at BreakTheCageMD.com, and the first part of the program is uh, we go in, we explore your core values, we explore the three layers that get you intrinsically motivated, that's motivation from inwards. Uh, we get a good understanding of your needs and your values, uh, or your needs, your wants, and your values. The needs and the wants are so that you can learn how the environment triggers maladaptive responses in you and why and then you can move to the higher level, the values which are coming from inside, so you can start writing your own story. Because Once you know your values, then you can find uh, role models and mythic heroes that you can use instead of collapsing into victim stories and a negative story like that. That's month one. In month two, month two is a strategic month where we look at um, approaches to uh, transactional analysis. It's how you understand the people around you and why they behave the way they do uh, when they're not conscious yet. It's, it's understanding subconscious signals and how uh, we use a lot of uh, antithesis work, which is sort of like a judo of when you're interacting with someone who's less conscious, how to understand how to channel their power so that you can a help them become more conscious and b not spiral into, into your own shadow functioning. And then nice. three is about identifying your ideal audience, surrounding yourself with people who are either at the level of consciousness where you are, so they appreciate your signal, or slightly above you, so that they can help you continue on your journey forward.
1: Amazing. So okay, perfect. That sounds like a really solid and important process for people, and they can get you at your email. Right? It's. Um, can you tell us what your email address is?
2: I, sure. Yeah, my email is Manny M A N I dot Saint Victor S A I N T. V-I-C-T-O-R at gmail.com
1: Perfect. Okay, so we're going to come back and talk to Dr. Manny a little bit more about how, some of the how we can be more conscious in the stories we're telling ourselves and others. So we'll be back in just a sec.
0: Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story Coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at Leanne at VeryGoodStories.com or check out her website at VeryGoodStories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower.
1: What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I lead. The Leadership Connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader. And by doing so, build a better, more successful and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead the Leadership Connection live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to story powered with leanne pico if you want to find out more about leanne or the program connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com now back to story powered
1: hi there welcome back um, I'm Leanne and we're at Story Powered and I've been talking with Dr. Manny St. Victor about storytelling and consciousness. And we've spent a, a bit of time chatting about um, our own stories and and uh, how um, we relate to our past stories, to our future stories, and how that impacts our current ability to share stories that actually connect and resonate with others. Um, you know, sometimes we um, people talk about storytelling in that it's this kind of flaky communications thing that people do and create nice videos um, for brands. And uh, while that is, I enjoy a a good brand story as much as anything, um, this stuff is is why I got into story. And, um, you know, for a long time I worked with people who were homeless or unemployed and often, um, you know, apart from all the systemic stuff that happens that creates poverty and and creates unemployment, um, for those folks, one of the most important things for them to do would be to get unstuck in their story of shame, that it was their fault, that they've done something, that they're not deserving or they're unworthy. And um, I find in business that um, people are stuck in the same stuff, like whether we're an entrepreneur or leader, I come across people all the time who are just so frightened of... um, of telling stories because they're worried that people might find them out because they might be a fraud or they're worried that their stories aren't good enough or that, um, if they knew this about me, they would judge me. So this is a really great and important conversation and, uh, really, um, want to emphasize the, the piece around, it's not about therapy. It's not about uh, if you want to do therapy, go for it. Um, but it's really about self-reflection as, and and as Dr. Manny said, it's about openness to, um, seeing a better version of you and, and um, enabling yourself to, to claim your story and live it. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, Dr. Manny, was about, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, the why and the what, but how can we become more conscious um, in the stories we tell ourselves? Like how can we be more present in order to kind of give ourselves a break and, and get unstuck and, and try and connect with people more fundamentally?
2: The first step is uh, simple. It's breathing.
1: (laughs) um, (laughs) I got. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Breathing.
2: And I'll tell you why I had to go dig it up to understand it. Yeah. But as it turns out, um, if you're in fight, flight, freeze mode, your 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 prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that manages empathy, creativity, cognitive flexibility, goal-directed behavior, um, is, is shut down. And when that's shut down, your lizard brain kicks in. Your amygdala so fight, flight, freeze, and uh, a sense of scarcity. You're not creatively looking for options. So what happens when you're breathing is uh, your your brain makes decisions of sympathetic and parasympathetic regulation based on one of your two nostrils. I think it's the right nostril, but I'm not sure. (laughs) But when you're doing the slow, deep breathing, like they always told us growing up as kids, to relax, to help us relax, by breathing that way, it sends a signal to your subconscious mind, and by that I mean your sympathetic, parasympathetic system, your heart, etc. cetera. There's all the stuff that's not in your, your, your conscious awareness. It sends a signal to that part to load up the memories about safety and being okay. And what they found is, um, is that when you do um, alternate nostril breathing, where you breathe in one nostril, then out that nostril, breathe in... Uh, switch and breathe in and out the other nostril, back and forth, you cut the rate of air in and outflow in that one nostril in half, which sends a signal to your brain to relax like down to half the level. So it really wow. is breathing. Now, cool. the second part of that is using that, during that breathing, being present. And what happens is there are two channels in our brain. Uh, there's what they call propositional working memory. And you hear all, all the rage nowadays is working memory training, and they're trying to sell you software that does it, but you already have the software that does it. It, it. it was built in you. So you have implicational working memory and propositional working memory. Propositional working memory is what you use in the here and now with the word. Now, implicational working memory is your myths, your themes, what you imagine to be the situation. That's where your story lives. Right. But you have to detach from both of those and hop out of your brain so that you can take signals from your body, so that you're, not, your brain, you're running your brain and your brain is not running you. And the way you do that is during the breathing, you become aware of when thoughts pop up and you label the thought. You're like, okay, I'm having a thought that uh, I'm a bad person. I'm having a thought that uh, I should uh, call my grandma today. I'm having a thought that I don't like ice cream. Whatever thoughts you're having, you proceed it with, I am having a thought that. And then as it gets more advanced, you're like, I'm having a feeling that. And then you reduce certain feelings. You're like, um, but you keep returning to the breathing. What that does is it trains you to not take off in thoughts so that you can be present here and now. By doing that as a daily habit, when you're having conversations with people, when they're saying things to you, that trigger your brain to pop off onto a a long, contrived story, which basically is an implication instead of what they really said. It's your brain running off in its own direction. You start to recognize that. You're like, oh, it's doing the thing that I've seen it do during my breathing exercise. And so you're able to, through practice, return to the conversation you're having with the person instead of being in your head and missing the opportunity to connect.
1: Okay, so that's really cool because, you know, and it's funny because we always hear about the deep breathing, so that makes a lot of sense. But I love the idea of of, um, using the deep breathing to then get a grip on your story, internal storytelling, um, so that then you can translate. So then, because it's so easy to do when we're, uh, you know, whether we're doing a presentation standing in front of the room or if we're a leader and uh, looking to bring a strategic change to our organization, whatever it is, that um, we're thinking about utilizing either our own story or a story. Um, It's really interesting that you talk about that because often our internal stories get in the way and they just block it. So what you're talking about is training ourselves to um, step back from the stories and realize that they're just stories coming up all the time and that we can redirect them and we can change them and we can tweak them. Is that right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And by practicing it in the absolute quiet, in a safe place, you start to recognize what your baseline story sounds like so that you recognize it when it's bubbling up and covering up someone else's story in a business transaction, in a conversation with your wife, oh. with your, with whoever. And even awesome. when you're watching TV, you can tell when the commercials are trying to trigger you into your, into when they're trying to prime you into a story so that they can take over your narrative.
1: The I really need a chocolate bar story, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, or whatever it is, right? It's like, oh my god, I need that toy, or I need that car, or I need that whatever. So, okay, so that I just wanted to re- reiterate that one because uh, we often, like, again, um, as much as we practice our storytelling and and think about um, ways to connect with people, it is the internal stories that are the most. Uh, that will cause the most risk to us in terms of uh, negating the our efforts. So I love the idea that our our own internal stories can take over the conversation or the interaction that we're having with others, and just kind of, And again, it's it's kind of like the um, the lizard brain is kind of saying, just taken over here right now because it's too scary.
2: And what that does is that that is literally, that's the junction of consciousness. Right. When you're able to hear what's really happening out there so that you can update your models, then you're conscious, you're present, you're aware, and you're signaling to the person that you're present because you're not projecting your values onto them. When they're sitting there across from you, they're feeling as if there's a shared meaning making. Like we're both uh, carrying, say, we're trying to carry a box both of us are carrying the same box, and when I move, you move. <laughs> Instead yeah. of you being in your head and you're shoving one way and I'm trying to go the other way, but you're missing my signal. The yeah. eye contact becomes more valuable. The intonations become more aligned. The rapport and the resonance and the shared mental models all become less stressful. We, we fall to a shared flow together with the same meaning making.
1: And that is crucial when you're utilizing story. To connect pe- with people on a higher level. So again, if you're a leader trying to an- introduce change with a, 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 a you know with an employee, or whether you're in a sales conversation, which is always high stakes and and goes straight to our insecurities. So love that, Dr. Manny. That's amazing. Thank you very much for for identifying that. I'm definitely gonna. That's something really quite new for me today. So so I appreciate you sharing that, and I appreciate you coming today to um, to talk to us about consciousness. And I hope we can do this again.
2: I look forward to it. I'm uh, whenever, <laughs> whenever. Just let me know. I'm busy I'm but flexible. Is what I always
1: say. <laughs> awesome. Well, and and don't forget um, that if you are feeling stuck in your story or you're wanting to um, have some assistance in terms of um, moving from from one place to another in terms of your your story, your business, your your life, um, Doctor Manny's coaching program is available. It's a three month program that gives enough time to embed it, to learn it, embed it. Live it. So uh, I highly recommend you contact him at Manny, M A N I, dot Saint Victor, S A I N T V I C T O R, at gmail.com. So next week I will be chatting with Laurie Silverman. The author of "Wake Me Up When the Data Is Over" and co-author of "Business Storytelling for Dummies" and "Stories Trainers Tell," uh, Laurie and I are going to be talking about story as a core competency in organizations. Um, Why is it important, and why? How do we make it happen? Again, we often talk about story as kind of just a technique or a tool. When in fact, and this is the whole premise behind Story Powered, it can be useful for every aspect of your organization. So don't miss that one. And don't forget to come and hang out with me in the Story Powered Institute, my new online story community. You can join for free or at an affordable monthly rate to access everything on offer. And we're just starting. So it'd be great to see you there and, and see what your thoughts are. And remember to sign up for our First Story Coaching Clinic, Mining Your Life for Stories at storypowered.institute. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for joining me, Leanne Pico, and Story Powered. I'll see you next week with more story.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.